welcome to a new weekly podcast series called USERF Spotlight, hosted by the United States Commission on International Religious Freedom, an independent federal advisory body. During each episode, Director of Outreach and Policy, Dwight Bashir, features a special guest to dive deeper on various topics and breaking developments that impact the universal right to freedom of religion or belief around the globe. Welcome to USERV Spotlight. I'm Dwight Bashir. Today we're going to preview a report on India that will be issued in the coming weeks by the Political Conflict, Gender, and People's Rights Center for Race and Gender at the University of California at Berkeley. The report, called Breaking Worlds, Religion, Law, and Citizenship in Majoritarian India, the story of Assam, is authored by a team of researchers led by Dr. Angana Chatterjee. The report is a case study of the Indian government's attempt to alter the basis of Indian citizenship through the pilot implementation of the 2019 Citizenship Amendment Act and accompanying National Register of Citizens in the northeastern Indian state of Assam. For the past two years, USERF has recommended that India be designated a country of particular concern by the State Department due to the government's promotion of Hindu nationalist policies resulting in systematic, ongoing, and egregious violations of religious freedom. One such policy was the 2019 passage of the Discriminatory Citizenship Amendment Act, a fast track to citizenship for non-Muslim migrants from Afghanistan, Bangladesh, and Pakistan residing in India, which led to nationwide protests in early 2020, including in Assam, against the CAA and spurred state and non-state violence, largely targeting Muslims. For the Breaking Worlds report, the researchers conducted extensive research on the ground into the impact of the Assam NRC on vulnerable individuals and communities there. Now, we were provided with an advanced copy of the findings so we could discuss them today on USERV Spotlight. We're fortunate to have USERV Chair Nadine Mayenza back with us to provide more details on these findings. Welcome, Chair Mayenza. Thanks so much for having me. Before we dive into the report, uh, if you could explain to our listeners why the Citizenship Amendment Act and the uh, NRC are so controversial in the first place and what the concerns are about how this law impacts freedom of religion or belief. And also, if you could tell us a bit more about how the Indian government has piloted the implementation of the CAA and NRC in the northeastern state of Assam in particular. Absolutely. The CAA, combined with the proposed nationwide NRC, risks disenfranchising Muslims across the country. So it provides a pathway to citizenship for non-Muslims from neighboring Afghanistan, Bangladesh, and Pakistan, but has no remedies for Muslims caught up in the NRC processes. Those who are unable to prove their citizenship through documentation are subject to statelessness, deportation, and even detention. So as you mentioned, the NRC was piloted in Assam. The draft Assam NRC of 2018 left out more than 4 million people. Some individuals were excluded due to spelling errors and their names or inconsistent names and documents. After the draft list was made public, excluded individuals were permitted to submit further documentation proving their citizenship. While a majority were not of Hindu descent, reportedly between one and 1.5 million were Hindus. In the case of Assam, individuals left off the NRC must prove that they resided in India prior to March of 1971 which is when Bangladesh declared independence from Pakistan, or that they were the children of such a person. That means even if an individual was born in Assam in, say, 1973 and has never left since then, they would not be considered a citizen unless they're able to show that their parents entered Assam before 
March 1971. However, due to socioeconomic factors, many individuals are not able to provide proof of citizenship through documentation. As a result, approximately 1.9 million persons were left out of the Assam NRC list in 2019, with the majority excluded being Muslims. However, Hindus excluded from the NRC list are likely to be protected through the 2019 CAA. Do you know what happened to those who were left off the NRC and will not be eligible for citizenship through the uh, CAA? And and could you tell us a little bit more about how these cases are even being adjudicated there? Sure. Those who did not make the NRC list were pronounced foreigners by the state government, including the, the Assam Border Police. The Election Commission has voted persons as, quote, doubtful citizens, known as D-voters, divested them of voting rights, and has referred their cases to the Foreigners Tribunal of Assam, which is a state mechanism for appeals for individuals excluded from the NRC. Individuals may petition the Foreigners Tribunal with proof or documentation validating their citizenship in the tribunal rules, whether they either are foreigners or citizens. So in 2019, there were approximately 100 foreigner tribunals in Assam. The heads of each of the tribunals are temporary appointed. And the Breaking Worlds report documents that there is intense pressure on those appointees to decide against citizenship applications. Cases before these tribunals take about three years on average. Individuals who receive an unfavorable judgment from these tribunals can appeal to the Assam High Court, but many cannot afford to pay for an appeal. From there, there's a small possibility of appeal in the High Court or Supreme Court, but these appeals are primarily focused on procedural issues. The new report provides statistics on the cases before foreigners' tribunals that help us understand how this process is disproportionately impacting Muslims. As of October 2019, over 468,000 cases were brought before the foreigners' tribunals. Of those cases, over 129,000 individuals were reportedly declared to be foreigners. Up to 80% of these individuals are Muslims. The people in Assam are facing a particularly difficult time trying to appeal and win their cases with the Foreigners Tribunal. As of February 2019, nearly 50% of the decisions stipulating individuals as foreigners were reportedly issued through ex parte proceedings, meeting without all the parties present. Another um, concern is that these individuals can intervene in such proceedings to try to influence the outcome. Approximately 250,000 such objections have been made, mostly anonymously. In addition, the foreigners' tribunals do not have requisite provisions to respond to the needs of the people with mental illness, uh, or such as mandatory legal aid, or accommodations for persons with disabilities during this legal process. The Berkeley study reviewed 38 cases in Assam, and in more than half of the orders reviewed, the state's legal representative did not appear. In a third of the orders, a document submitted by the individual was rejected because the official who had issued the document was not present at the tribunal to testify to the document's contents and authenticity. In 11% of the orders, the tribunal member dismissed a document due to the location of the state emblem embossed on the document. Cases also were unfavorably adjudicated because of the name or age discrepancies in the documents submitted. Citizenship cases may also be lost because individuals are not able to produce documents. It is particularly difficult for women to obtain the required documents to prove citizenship. It is also hard to authenticate the required documents, particularly as authenticators may be prosecuted if the person being authenticated is ultimately deemed a non-citizen. In addition, officials are not always willing or able to travel to Assam to authenticate the documents. Uh, this process sounds uh, very stressful and cumbersome uh, for those who are being forced to prove their citizenship. Can you tell us uh, more about how the report documents the real life impact uh, on these individuals? 
Sure. Um, if individuals are unable to prove that they are Indian citizens and are declared foreigners, they may be deported or held in detention centers. The report documented that of March 2020, 3,331 persons had been held in a six detention centers in Assam. At least 30 people have died and six persons were deported, four to Bangladesh and two to Afghanistan. A detention center that holds 3,000 persons is reportedly being constructed in Assam, which would be India's largest and first detention center solely for undocumented immigrants. It has taken a significant psychological toll on the people of Assam, with at least 38 instances of suicide in connection with the revocation of citizenship. The testimonials by affected individuals documented in the report are harrowing. Many individuals in Assam do not have the resources to establish their status, since obtaining documentation is costly. The report found that individuals had to sell their possessions or use savings to obtain documents or hire a lawyer, adding an additional level of stress to the process. Part of a testimony from a Bangla descent Muslim male, 70 years of age, shows the extraordinary toll of this process. Quote, I was kept in detention for almost three years, my children and wife begged for my release. I am not in detention now, but my case is not resolved. I'm still listed as a foreigner. I need to go to the police station for assistance. If I'm late, they call us. They also call our guarantors. I will have to sell my home to keep fighting to remain in the land of my home. Wow, that, that is truly heartbreaking and very troubling. Um, thanks for sharing some of these highlights from, from this report. Um, shifting gears a bit to discuss India more broadly, can you uh, give our listeners a sense of what are some of Yusuf's uh, other concerns uh, regarding religious freedom conditions in the country? Sure. Assam is a window into the deteriorating religious freedom conditions in India overall. The effect of the CAA and the NRC in Assam are likely to multiply if they are applied throughout India. Since the passage of the CAA, we have seen a deadly crackdown by government authorities against protesters, journalists, and advocates, and communal violence targeting Muslim communities, including in Delhi, Uttar Pradesh, and Assam, where mob violence, at times with no intervention by police, has resulted in the death and beatings of dozens of Muslims and Hindus. Another area of ongoing concern is the spread of hate speech and false information against religious minorities. Government officials and societal actors continue to spread disinformation against religious minorities, including Dalits and other minority groups. For example, India is Facebook's biggest market and individuals and groups supporting Hindu nationalism continue to use its messenger service, WhatsApp, to target and facilitate violence against India's religious minorities, including Dalits. The rise of hate and the targeted of religious minorities is of even deeper concern given the additional restrictions on civil society. The September 2020 amendment to the Financial Contribution Regulation Act called the FCRA passed by the Indian parliament introduces additional guidelines, including extensive reporting requirements on non-government organizations or NGOs and expands the government's ability to restrict their lawful activities. These changes have had a chilling effect on the NGOs, including those combating religious persecution and violence and who provide vital health and education services to religious minority communities. We are also concerned about continued enforcement of anti-cow slaughter and anti-conversion laws to predominantly arrest Christians and Muslims. 21 of the 28 Indian states criminalize cow slaughter in various forms, and 10 Indian states maintain anti-conversion laws. Some of these laws are so broad that they can be interpreted or prohibiting any kind of conversion, whether consensual or not. Government action, including the continued enforcement of these laws, has created a culture of impunity for nationwide campaigns of harassment and violence against religious minorities, including mob lynching against individuals suspected of cow slaughter and Muslim and Christians accused of conversion activities. 
the increasingly poor conditions for religious minorities in India, including Dalits, Kashmari Muslims, and other Muslim Sikhs and Christians under the BJP government has been alarming. USERF will continue to monitor the situation in India closely. Thank you very much for that additional context on the larger uh, religious freedom situation in India, which, as you say, is increasingly worrying. Uh, could you uh, conclude by giving us a sense of some of USERF's latest uh, policy recommendations to the U.S. government uh, to address some of these uh, deteriorating conditions over the past few years in India? Sure. USERF continues to ask the State Department to designate India as a CPC, or a country of particular concern, for engaging in and tolerating systematic, ongoing, and egregious religious freedom violations, as defined by the International Religious Freedom Act. We ask that the U.S. government impose targeted sanctions on individuals and entities responsible for severe violations of religious freedom by freezing those individuals or entities' assets and or barring their entry into the United States. We also encourage the United States to advance human rights of all religious communities and promote religious freedom and dignity and interfaith dialogue through bilateral and multilateral forums and agreements, such as the Ministerial of the Quadrilateral. USERF will continue to press Congress to continue to raise religious freedom concerns in the U.S.-India bilateral relationship and highlight concerns through hearings, briefings, letters, and congressional delegations. Well, we'll have to leave it right here, uh, but let me thank again uh, USERF Chair Nadine Mayenza for taking the time to join us today and uh, sharing her insights uh, about this new report uh, on India and some of USERF's uh, policy recommendations. I'd also like to thank Dr. Angana Chatterjee and her team for their extraordinary work on this report and encourage our listeners to read it once it's released by the University of California, Berkeley, I believe next week uh, on Thursday, uh, September 9th. To learn more about USERF's reporting on India and our latest policy recommendations, please visit our website at www.uscirf.gov. As always, thanks for tuning in today, and we'll see you next time on USERF Spotlight. To learn more about USERF and about global religious freedom concerns, visit usurf.gov. That's U-S-C-I-R-F dot gov. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at U-S-C-I-R-F. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week for another USERF Spotlight.